Campfire Classics is a classic literature podcast. However, your hosts will occasionally use not-so-classy language and immature humor to describe very mature situations. As such, listener discretion is advised. Hi, I'm Ken Sandberg. And I'm Heather Michelle Lawler. Welcome to Campfire Classics, where we try to read those books that look really good on your shelf. So far away, but we're together on the podcast. (laughs) I wonder if, um, listeners, especially regular listeners, can tell the difference in sound between when we are recording in the same room and when we're recording remotely. I have no idea. I guess you'll have to ask our listeners. So listeners, can you? (laughs) Hey, listeners. Uh, We took a couple weeks off because, you know, life happened and then I was traveling and now we're recording remotely. Can you tell the difference? Can you hear that we sound all weird? Except for that special episode where we clearly sounded weird because we recorded outside and... (laughs) Yeah. Which I think was, was that the last episode that we released? It was. And I actually, I actually, uh, so, um, my, one of my podcasts ended that I listened to and ours automatically starts, uh, cause it's on like my rotation of things that shows up. And I actually, like I was on the bike, so I heard like the first like 20 minutes of it and it sounds like, honestly, like. It is a different sound quality than when we use the shores and we're in a booth and like whatnot, but like it is still very clear and you can hear the fire crackling. So that's kind of fun. Love it. Uh, Hey, write in and let us know if you can tell the difference between how we record or if it's just all in my head because, you know, I get up in my head about things. Yeah. And you do the editing. So it's like literally in your head when you edit it. I just do the thing and then I'm like, bye. There are times when I can tell you didn't even listen back to the episode because you'll reference something and I go, oh, that played differently in the final edit than it did when we were in the room. <laughs> Probably. I was so I was scrolling through some old pictures on my phone because my phone gave me the um, uh, your memory is full. We're going to stop accepting phone calls if you don't delete some shit. Oh, so I was scrolling shit. through some old That's like. Full. Yeah. So I was scrolling through old like pictures and videos and stuff. And I ran across the pictures from a little over a year ago when we were looking at houses and found all of the pictures that we took of the place we moved into, including one where you're hiding sort of Harry Potter style in our not yet converted sound booth under the stairs. In our under the stairs sound booth, which is exactly where Harry Potter lived. Yes. (laughs) That's fun. And also, uh, you sent me a, a memory from a year ago while I was working today at the Betsy Ross house of us yeah. with Lina on the beach. Lina goes to the beach day. Yeah, that was, <laughs> well, that was three years ago, right? That was three years ago. Yeah. yeah. That's when we escaped New York to uh, to avoid the election in case things went poorly. Yeah. Um, but Wanted luckily, to be someplace pretty. We just were on, we wanted to be somewhere pretty that week. So we, mm-hmm. we went out to the San Diego location. Yes. In the midst of the pandemic, we needed a vacation anyway. Yeah. <laughs> you may remember, dear listeners, that that was the first time we recorded episodes for Movember. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That was our first year of the podcast. Yep. How have we Back been doing in- this for that long? 
three years. Oh my God. It's been three years. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> and I think that this last couple of weeks that we just missed is the longest I have ever gone without uploading an episode in three Probably. years. Probably. Yeah. 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 Because it was of some kind. Yeah. It was two weeks in a row. Yeah. Yeah. So apologies for missing some time, but we're back. Time yeah, to people do got things. plenty to listen to. Yeah, the world is full of media. There's too much of it out there to consume. And catch up on our stuff if you're behind. Yeah. <laughs> um. So yeah. Uh. That's sort of where we are. Yeah. I mean, you are literally in Sarasota, Florida, and I am literally in Philadelphia. Is where yeah. we are. So. Um, so yeah, so this is a podcast, Campfire Classics, a literary comedy podcast, not in fact a let's just chit chat about life and play catch up on the air, but we sit down and as I said earlier, try to read those books that look really good on your shelf. We cold read short stories that we've pulled from the public domain and we bring them to you sight unseen and full of hilarious bits of comedy or at least hilarious bits of stuff that we thought was comedy when we said it out loud the first time or hilarious stuff about bits that isn't meant to be about bits if you know what i yeah, mean by there's a lot bits. of that antiquated <laughs> bit jokes yeah. <laughs> uh so uh, this week, Heather has chosen a short story for me to read, and we're going to jump on that. But before we do, she's got some fun facts, or what was it we called it? Literary foreplay. Literary To get foreplay. us in the mood. Yes, literary foreplay. So we have a new author this, this week, which Woo. we just continue to have. It's been three years, and we have still... Plenty of untapped material. It's um, almost people like people have always had stories they wanted to tell. It's amazing. Uh, so this man's name is Henry Kuehler Bunner. Kuehler Butter? Kuehler Bunner, like B-U-N-N-E-R. <laughs> ah, okay. Yes. Mr. Cute Buns. Mr. Cute Buns, Mr. Cute Bunner. Uh, he was born on August 3rd, 1855 in Oswego, New York. Now, his parents were Rudolph Bunner Jr. and Ruth Keating Tuckerman. Uh, but what's most interesting is his paternal grandfather was Rudolph Bunner, because his dad's name was Rudolph Bunner Jr. Right. Rudolph Bunner was a member of the U.S. House of Representatives from 1779 to 1837. Oh. And he was married to Elizabeth Church, who is the daughter of... Of Angelica Schuyler. Wow. Like that's Angelica cool. Schuyler. Yeah. Work, work. Yeah. <laughs> so our author is a direct descendant of the Schuyler sisters, <laughs> huh. which is really cool. And his grandfather was like an original member of Congress almost. I mean, 1779. Yeah. So I mean, that's going back about as far as it goes. That's almost as far as she goes. So, uh, so that's really fun. Um, so he had a pretty standard life living in New York City. He was a New York boy, um, good education and whatnot. And he basically started life in his professional life. There's not a ton of information about him because, you know, he was one of those authors that didn't do anything super crazy. So there's like not stories about him. It's kind of like those actors that you never hear stories about. And you're like, 
Huh. Oh, they just go to work and then they go home. Okay. Sure. Well, he grew up in the public eye, right? If he had grandpa was a, a major political figure. Yeah. Like he he was a New York City kid. Like they, they, yeah. they like, you know, they mind their business and they do their thing, you know. Um, Plus, when your name is Cute Buns, you got to be careful. You got to be real careful. Um, but yeah, he was a clerk, um, like basically an apprentice to an importing house. And then he turned to journalism and was like a reporter. And then he became uh, assistant editor and then became an editor. So he was on a staff of a couple magazines. There was one called The Arcadian, which made me think of How I Met Your Mother. Yep. Uh, <laughs> and then he became in 1877 the assistant editor of the comic weekly Puck magazine. So when he took over Puck, it made the way this magazine is described, it was like the mad magazine of the time. Uh, well, that makes sense. You've got Puck, this sort of trickster fairy. Exactly. So he, uh, he's he was the assistant editor and then he became the editor, of course, because, you know, like that's what happens. Mm-hmm. Um, and he worked there until the end of his life and he developed puck from this like struggling periodical into a very very powerful social and political magazine um so the vice president became president took over and um made things scary no he made it good but he so i i'm thinking in my head what he did is the vice editor becomes the editor when the the editor dies right so he murdered the editor and took over yep that's what happened yeah yeah, that's how that's how definitely how corporate jobs work. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's a coup. The only way the only way you get promoted in corporate America is if you murder your boss. Let's not spread that around because we got enough problems in the world. <laughs> that is not true. Disclaimer, we do not support any murder in this household. <laughs> I, at no point did I say it's a good thing. <laughs> it's just it's just how corporate America works. You know what? It's just how corporate America works. You, you know get promoted what? by killing people. That's probably actually true. Um There's a reason I'm not part of it. Yeah. Uh, So he did a really good job. Whether he killed his previous editor or not, he he turned the magazine into an awesome magazine. Uh, He also went on while he was the editor, like associate editor and then the editor. He he became a writer. So he started publishing his first novel in 1886. And then he... uh, that one was called The Midge, and then he pu- published another one one year later called The Story of a New York House. Um, he had a lot of other efforts in fiction. He had six collections, like large collections of short stories and sketches. Um, and a very notable influence of his that he he notes uh, is uh, Guy de Montepassant. Oh. Or Guy de Montepassant, um, who we have read. Um, yeah. He was very influenced by French writers. Um, All right. All right. So that's already putting me in a a, a certain mindset. Yeah. Like, and we've really liked Guy's stories. They're very like uh, melancholic. They're really really good and really depressing. And really melancholic. But we don't know. (laughs) We don't know if that's where this one's going. We just know he likes their writing. (laughs) But he ran a humor magazine. So he has to have a sense of humor. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so his short story, uh, he had a lot, like I said, a lot of short stories, um, one of which we will read today, but one of them was called Xenobia's Infidelity. And that was made into a feature film called Xenobia starring Harry Langdon and Oliver Hardy of the Hardy Brothers in 1939. 
Um, cool. So that's kind of fun. I was like, ooh, that's that's interesting. Um, and he also wrote poetic works. He wrote parodies. Um, collections of his verse have been praised uh, for their technical dexterity, their playfulness, and their smoothness of finish um, hmm. are some of the reviews. He also wrote several plays. Um, one was, uh, his most successful play was called the tower of Babel. I could not find a copy to like, see if it is actually about Jesus and, you know, like the Bible shit, or if it's like a, yeah. it's probably, I'm guessing cause it's a play. I'm guessing it's more of a, uh, it's, it's probably one of those things where it's about that, but it's actually about something that was going on. Like, yeah. uh, like the crucible, right? It's yeah. about the witch. The, the the witch trials, but it was actually about the McCarthy trials. Yeah, exactly. It's probably Tower of Babel. Yes. So he put out a lot of work and climbed very quickly to success. And unfortunately, he died at the age of 40. Um, oh. He just died. I mean, it was like, I don't, it, I couldn't find any information if it was like yellow fever or like uh, heart attack well, or what. He just, his assistant know. editor wanted a promotion. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. I was like, yep, because he, he was the editor, so someone had yeah. to kill him. Yep. Yeah. So that's what we'll go with. Um, so he died on May 11th, 1896, um, yeah. at the age of 40. Of arsenic poisoning. Yes. <laughs> Corporate assassination. Hate Corporate assassination. Uh, so you were going to read a wonderful story by Mr. Cute Buns today, or Mr. Bunner, as we will more nicely call him. Yeah, what was his actual name? It's Henry Kuehler Bunner. Harry Cute Buns, cool. <laughs> and the story, the title of your story is The Nice People. Aww. Yeah. So we should start a fire and then read yeah. it. Yeah, let's start this fire. Woo! All right. The nice people. Last time we had a story that sounded like that, it was actually terrifying. <laughs> right? Remember the story we did, the happy people? Yeah, I I cannot promise you anything. <laughs> the nice people by Harry Cute Buns. <laughs> Sorry, by Henry Kuehler Bunner. They certainly are nice people, I assented to my wife's observation, using the colloquial phrase with a consciousness that it was anything but nice English. And I'll bet that their three children are better brought up than most of two children, corrected my wife. Three, he told me. My dear, she said there were two. He said three. You've simply forgotten. Oh, good. I'm this is a very trusting relationship. <laughs> We're off to a good start. Here. Well, it sounds like one or both of these couples are um, very much at odds if they can't agree on the number of children they have. Yeah. If, like, either, yeah, I, yeah, I guess we're going to find out. <laughs> Generally speaking, I'm going to say if there's a disagreement, I trust the woman to know how many children she popped out over Damn the Damn fucking right. <laughs> She remembers, trust me, especially in the 1800s. Yep. <laughs> Good God. <laughs> yeah, unless he's confused because he's got another family on the side. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so not so nice. 
You've simply forgotten. I'm sure she told me they had only two, a boy and a girl. Well, I didn't enter into particulars. <laughs> no, dear, and you couldn't have understood him. Two children. All right, I said, but I did not think it was all right. As a nearsighted man learns by enforced observation to recognize persons at a distance when the face is not visible to the normal eye, so the man with a bad memory learns almost unconsciously to listen carefully and report accurately. Um, there's a little flaw in logic there. <laughs> he has a bad memory, so he remembers it. <laughs> I mean... I kind of get what he's saying, though. I get he's what he's like, saying, but there is some flaw in the logic. <laughs> yeah, but it's it's that thing of like, no, this is a thing that I'm naturally really bad at, so I work really hard to make sure I don't miss these details. It's kind of like me with names. I'm terrible with names, and if I really, right. really so, focus on it, I can do it, but I am very aware that I... if. That I do not know people's names. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I tend to forget some. I tend similar. Yeah, same thing. I tend to forget people's names. But if I'm like, nope, nope, his name is Justin, yeah. then it's definitely Justin. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, All right. So he has a bad memory. Great. My memory is bad. <laughs> there you go. But I had not had time to forget that Mr. Brewster Breed had told me that afternoon that he had three children at present left in the care of his mother-in-law while he and Mrs. Breed took their summer vacation. Well, isn't that nice? They just go off on motherfucking vacation. They got the mother-in-law's like got the kids for three months. What the hell? Yeah. Well, I guess uh, the summer vacation might just be like a week. Might be like their little like week long getaway to the yeah. It doesn't have to be the whole summer. Yeah. Yeah, they're they're off to uh, to Martha's Vineyard or whatever. <laughs> yes, they're weekending in the country. It's a weekend in the country. Yay, Sondheim. Two children, repeated my wife, and they are staying with his aunt Jenny. He Not the mother-in-law. <laughs> so he they told me with his mother-in-law. Yep, they literally do not agree on anything. All right, cool. I wonder if they're talking about two different families. That would be really funny. <laughs> uh, he told me with his mother-in-law, I put in. My wife looked at me with a serious expression. Men may not remember much of what they are told about children, but any man knows the difference between an aunt and a mother-in-law. Oh, damn. Ain't that the truth? <laughs> But don't you think they're nice people? Asked my wife. Oh, certainly, I replied. Only they seem to be a little mixed up about their children. That isn't a nice thing to say, returned my wife. I could not deny it. <laughs> I mean, but you do speak the truth. Somebody's mm. mixed up about their children. Somebody's mixed up about the number of children. That seems like a pretty fundamental thing to be mixed up about. Yeah, uh, yeah. And yet, the next morning, when the breeds came down and seated themselves opposite us at table, beaming and smiling in their natural, pleasant, well-bred fashion, I knew to a social certainty that they were nice people. 
He was I like a that fun... nice, nice is in quotes. Yes, I, I tried to... Nice people. I tried to pronounce the quotation marks. Yes, I heard it. I, oh, I heard it very deeply, yes. <laughs> he was a fine-looking fellow in his neat tennis flannels, slim, graceful, 28 or 30 years old, with a Frenchy pointed beard. She was nice in all her pretty clothes, and she herself was pretty, with that type of prettiness which outwears most other types. The prettiness that lies in a rounded figure, a dusky skin, plump rosy cheeks, white teeth, and black eyes. All right, we're celebrating some uh, curves. I like this. Uh Love it. Love it. She might have been 25. You guessed that she was prettier than she was at 20, then that she would be prettier still at 40. And celebrating uh, defying aging. I lo- Okay. I women, like the- w- women who age like wine. Yep. Speaking of wine, yummy. <laughs> <laughs> aging like wine has always struck me as an amusing concept, right? Because mm-hmm. what it means is you get better and better and better, and then one day Someone you're bitter you? vinegar. Or yeah, well, yes, <laughs> that's the issue. It's like age like fine wine, but if someone puts like lets in some air, you're gonna turn into a piece of yep. shit. <laughs> yep. I mean, that's kind of true. You age gracefully so long as you stay sealed up, but as soon as you interact with the world. I mean, let's be real. That's kind of what happens to a lot of people, especially like older women, when we just don't give a fuck anymore what people think. It's like we're aging, we're like fine wine and being very respectful, and then we realize it doesn't fucking matter anymore. It's just like, bitch, get out of my way. (laughs) So, yeah, she's going to keep getting prettier and prettier. Yeah. And nice people were all we wanted to make us happy in Mr. Jacobus's summer boarding house on top of Orange Mountain. So they're in the Poconos. <laughs> yeah. Or something like that. For a week, we had come down to breakfast each morning, wondering why we wasted the precious days of idleness with the company gathered around the Jacobus board. What joy of human companionship was to be had out of Mrs. Tab and Miss Hugenkamp, the two middle-aged gossips from Scranton, PA? Not PA! <laughs> out of Mr. and Mrs. Biggle. And injur- injurated? Ooh, it's injurated. I'm looking at her. Hardened. Indurated. Indurated. Okay. Hardened, a bed of indurated clay. Yeah. All right. Out of Mr. and Mrs. Biggle, an indurated head bookkeeper and his prim and censorious wife, out of old Major Halkit, a retired businessman who, having once sold a few shares on commission, wrote for circulars of every stock company that was started and tried to induce everyone to invest who would listen to him. We looked around at those dull faces, the truthful in indices. 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 Ooh, we got two words to look up in one paragraph. I like Indicus. it. Indicus. Indices. Indicus. Indices. Uh. Uh. 
stock market. It has to do with the stock market. Oh. So it's like indexes. Indices. Indices. Yes. Yeah. Um, so yeah, stock, like the stock market or math or yeah. Yeah. Cool. We looked around at those dull faces, the truthful indices of mean and barren minds, and decided that we would leave that morning. This is like why I love and hate bed and breakfast. Yeah. Because like you can get really lucky at a bed and breakfast where you like end up with a bunch of people who are just really awesome and you like connect and you get to have breakfast every morning and like really get to know some really cool people that you never would have probably met otherwise but then you could also be stuck with like a Trump supporter yeah. and like a fucking like psycho you can end up <laughs> stuck with Mr. and Mrs. Who the fuck are you? Yeah, Mr. Mrs. Who the fuck are you? Yes, Mr. and Mrs. You're ruining my vacation. Please let me <laughs> eat my eggs so I can get the fuck out of here. Thanks, bye. <laughs> so we decided that we would leave that morning. Then we ate Mrs. Jacobus's biscuit. Hot. Light as a ro- <laughs> wow. Damn. Okay. Well, that okay. <laughs> that Good escalated. Host. That escalated quickly. Miss Jacobson or Jacobus or Jacobus, whatever. Jacobus. Jacobus's biscuit. Damn, she buttered her biscuit real good for them. Yeah, good host. And we're about to get a description of her biscuit. Oh, so. well, that's all I ever wanted in this story yep. was a description of Mrs. Jacobson's biscuit or whatever her name is. <laughs> so, hold on to your butts. <laughs> Then we ate Mrs. Jacobus's biscuit, light as Aurora's cloudlets, drank her honest coffee, oh, inhaled yeah. the perfume of the late azaleas with which she decked her table, and decided to postpone our departure one more day. That's a good host, man. She goes, ooh, I see that they want to leave. I'm going to break out the biscuits and the dank coffee and the perfumed azaleas. <laughs> like, and they're like, um, we can wait another day. <laughs> We're enjoying this vacation. And then we wandered out to take our morning glance at what we called our view. And it seemed to us as if Tab and Hoogencamp and Halkit and the Biggleses could not drive us away in a year. Yeah, just let them mind their business. You mind yours. I was not surprised when, after breakfast, my wife invited the breeds to walk with us to our view. The Hoogencamp Biggle Tab Halkit contingent never stirred off Jacobus's veranda. But we both felt that the breeds would not profane that sacred scene. Famous last words. Famous Mm. last words. (laughs) We strolled slowly across the fields, passed through the little belt of woods, and as I heard Mrs. Breed's little cry of startled rapture, I motioned to Breed to look up. By Jove, he cried. Heavenly! We looked from the brow of the mountain over 15 miles of billowing green to where far across a far stretch of pale blue lay a dim purple line that we knew was Staten Island. Staten Island! (laughs) I don't think anyone has ever described Staten Island as heavenly. Uh, No. (laughs) Of course, this was a long time ago. 
<laughs> yeah, we are looking at the 1800s. Yeah. It wasn't, it It was not the Staten Island we well, know today. It was for, mainly park. I mean, it was mainly yeah. like that beautiful fort that we went to and like all that green space that we used to like to walk up the hill to. That's what Staten Island was. So it used yeah. to be heavenly. And then, you know. And then it turned into people, like knockoff New Jersey Italians and a lot of warehouses. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Although still some really pretty parks. I Yeah, yeah. What's up, Staten Island? I like when Staten Island gets a shout-out in our stories. <laughs> Towns and villages lay before us and under us. There were ridges and hills, uplands and lowlands, woods and plains, all massed and mingled in that great silent sea of sunlit green. For silent it was to us, standing in the silence of a high place. Silent with a Sunday stillness that made us listen without taking thought for the sound of bells coming up from the spires that rose above the treetops, the treetops that lay as far beneath us as the light clouds were above us that dropped great shadows upon our heads and faint specks of shade upon the broad sweep of land at the mountain's foot. I love that description. There were a lot of S's. There were a lot that was of a very sibilant paragraph. Yes, it was very sms and like, it makes me want to like sit under a tree and just be like, <laughs> yeah. Like sit under a tree and listen to the cicadas. Exactly. It's it's very nature beauty. And so that is your view, asked Mrs. Breed after a moment. You are very generous to make it ours, too. They're about to have an orgy. <laughs> yep. <laughs> the Sunday silence is about to get sexy. Nice people. You know nice people are into crazy shit. Nice people. This whole thing has just been prelude to a kink. Yeah, we didn't get we we uh, the one detail that our our cute butts writer uh, wrote left out was that there's pineapples on all the doors everywhere everywhere <laughs> everywhere yes it's actually a swinger resort that's that's what's up uh, he went into great detail about her pretty curves and his neat Frenchy beard and the buttered biscuit yeah. Then we lay down on the grass. Just saying. And Breed began to talk in a gentle voice, as if he felt the influence of the place. He had paddled a canoe in his earlier days, he said, and he knew every river and creek in that vast stretch of landscape. He found his landmarks and pointed out to us where the Passaic and the Hackensack flowed, invisible <laughs> to us. Hackensack is always a funny word to me. <laughs> Sounds like you'd like deep-throated some balls and you hacked on the <laughs> sack. <laughs> Every time I hear it, that's all I hear. <laughs> I just hack and sacked. I hack on sacked. <laughs> wow. Have wow. I never told you that's what I hear every time I hear Hackensack? Nope. At, sure hadn't. From the first time I heard Hackensack, like when I moved to New York when I was 19, I was like, what? <laughs> Who named that? That is some wildly specific visual association. That's all I hear is like <laughs> choking on nuts. <laughs> and I've been to Hackensack and that's kind of what it feels like when you're there. <laughs> 
<laughs> Where are you going, hack and sack? <laughs> it goes right along with my Cinderella at the ball joke. Mm-hmm. So. Anyway, he's talking about Passaic and Hackensack. Yep. He found his landmarks and pointed out to us where the Passaic and the <laughs> flowed, <laughs> invisible to us, hidden behind great ridges that in our sight were but combings of green waves upon which we looked down. And yet, on the further side of those broad ridges and rises were scores of villages. A little world of country life lying unseen under our eyes. When Staten Island was the country getaway. (laughs) Love it. A good deal like looking at humanity, he said. There is such a thing as getting so far above our fellow man that we see only one side of them. Ah... How much better was this sort of talk than the chatter and gossip of the Tab and the Hoogan camp, than the Major's dissertations upon his everlasting circulars? My wife and I exchanged glances. Now, when I went up the Matterhorn, Mr. Breed began. Why, dear, interrupted his wife, I didn't know you ever went up the Matterhorn. It, uh, it was five years ago, said Mr. Breed hurriedly. I, I didn't tell you when I was on the other side, you know, it was rather dangerous. Well, as I was saying, it looked, no, it didn't look at all like this. Um, somebody's lying and that whole theory if he has a secret wife or something just really like, uh, came to the forefront. Yep. Yep. (laughs) This dude has a secret family, dude. Ah, dude. He has something going on that's not not legit. (laughs) A cloud floated overhead, throwing its great shadow over the field where we lay. The shadow passed over the mountain's brow and reappeared far below, a rapidly decreasing blot, flying eastward over the golden green. My wife and I exchanged glances once more. Somehow, the shadow lingered over us all. As we went home, the breeds went side by side along the narrow path, and my wife and I walked together. Should you think, she asked me, that a man would climb the Matterhorn the very first year he was married? I don't know, my dear, I answered evasively. This isn't the first year I have been married, not by a good many, and I wouldn't climb it for a farm. You know what I mean, she said. I did. I wonder what what what's the mat like why why is the Matterhorn so dangerous or scandalous? What, what's on top of the Matterhorn? Well, the Matterhorn is is a, a big mountain. It's a big mountain, but it's like it's is it where is it located? Uh, it's in the Alps. Oh, so yeah, the, I mean that's that's a long way away. Yeah, oh, so it, this is the mountain that uh, I think uh, um, the Grinch's mountain was uh, modeled after. It's got, like, the crook at the top. Oh. Because <laughs> it was modeled after a famous mountain. I think that might have been it. Oh, yeah, it's in Italy and Switzerland. Okay, it's in the Alps. Why is the Matterhorn Mountain famous? Internationally known by its German name, the Matterhorn, it owns the fame to its almost perfect pyramid shape. 
It is also one of the deadliest peaks in the world. There you go. All right. Well, there we go. <laughs> so that is the kind of thing that you'd probably, you know. Not do. Tell your wife. Yeah, you probably would have uh, shared that with her if you actually had done it. Yeah. Yeah. It's also one of Barney Stinson's fake names. Yes, it is. Uh, what is it? Uh, Lorenzo Von Matterhorn. Two yeah. T's. Look it up. Yep. Yep. When we reached the boarding house, Mr. Jacobus took me aside. You know, he began his discourse, my wife, she used to live in New York. I didn't know, but I said yes. <laughs> she says the numbers on the streets runs crisscross like 34s on one side of the street and 35 on the other. How's that? <laughs> That is the invariable rule, I believe. Then I say, these here new folk that you and your wife seem so mighty taken up with, do you know anything about them? I know nothing about the character of your borders, Mr. Jacobus, I replied, conscious of some irritability. If I choose to associate with any of them, yes so, just so, broke in Jacobus. I ain't nothing to say against your sociability, <laughs> but do you know them? Why, certainly not, I replied. Well, that was all I was asking you. You see, when he come here to take the rooms, you wasn't here then. He told my wife that he lived at number 34 in his street. And yesterday she told her that they lived on number 35. He said he lived in an apartment house. Now, there can't be no apartment house on two sides of the same street, can they? Okay, yeah, because in New York, it's evens on one side and odds on the other. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yep. Uh, what street was it? I inquired wearily. 121st Street. Maybe, I replied, still more warily, that's Harlem. Nobody knows what people will do in Harlem. <laughs> Ain't that the truth? We love some Harlem. It's fucking wild up there. Yeah, they're like, people do, it, people do whatever the fuck they want up in Harlem. <laughs> it's above the park, I don't talk about it. <laughs> I went up to my wife's room. Don't you think it's queer? She asked me. I think I'll have a talk with that young man tonight, I said, and see if he can give some account of himself. But my dear, my wife said gravely, she doesn't know whether they've had the measles or not. <laughs> Why, great Scott, I exclaimed. Oh my God, they Doc Brown. It's Doc <laughs> Brown. He's here. Great Scott. Yes. Well, this would be about the time he went back to when he went back to the Wild West. So maybe him and Clara uh, went back east and settled in New York and are on vacation. <laughs> All right. I like it. <laughs> Why, great Scott, I exclaimed. They must have had them when they were children. Oh, ha, uh ha. -huh. <laughs> Why, great Scott, I exclaimed. They must have had them when they were children. Please don't be stupid, said my wife. 
I meant their children. <laughs> I like his wife. His wife is like, <laughs> do you? Are you not listening to me? Like, God damn! Why are you so dim? You're 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 a little thick, honey. I'm trying to just put it out here that there's something up with these people, and you're like, ah, oh, they're fine. They're fine. After dinner that night, or rather after supper, for we had dinner in the middle of the day at Jacobus's, I walked down the long veranda to ask Breed, who was placidly smoking at the other end, to accompany me on a twilight stroll. Halfway down, I met Major Halkett. That friend of yours, he said, indicating the unconscious figure at the further end of the house, Seems to be a queer sort of a dick. <laughs> Jesus Christ! What? <laughs> Sir, that is homophobic. Or he's intrigued and he wants to know if he's into that. <laughs> Your friend seems to be gay. Could you ask him seems for me? Seems like he might be interested. Could you ask him out for me? <laughs> He told me that he was out of business and just looking round for a chance to invest his capital. And I've been telling him what an everlasting big show he had to take stock in the Capital Line Trust Company. Starts next month. Four million capital. I told you all about it. Oh, well, he says. Let's wait and think about it. Wait, says I. The Capital Line Trust Company won't wait for you, my boy. This is letting you in on the ground floor, says I, and it's now or never. Oh, let it wait, says he. I don't know what's into the man. I don't know how well he knows his own business, Major, I said as I started again for Breed's end of the veranda, but I was troubled nonetheless. The Major could not have influenced the sale of one share of stock in the Capitoline Company, but that stock was a great investment, a rare chance for a purchaser with a few thousand dollars. Perhaps it was no more remarkable that Breed should not invest than that I should not, and yet it seemed to add one circumstance more to the other suspicious circumstances. Ooh, I'm intrigued. What the fuck's going on? <laughs> Mystery. When I went upstairs that evening, I found my wife putting her hair to bed. <laughs> Now, this is like, does she wear a wig? Does she wear a merkin? Does she... <laughs> I'm picturing Moira Rose now, and she's just hanging yeah. up all of her wigs and saying goodnight to them yeah. and kissing the more finicky ones. Yeah. She's like, goodnight, my darling. Yes. <laughs> Putting her hair to bed. I love it. And then she took off her head and put <laughs> that to bed. Okay. And then she placed her hands in the cabinet. Okay, Princess Mombi. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how I can better describe an operation familiar to every married man. I waited until the last tress was coiled up, and then I spoke. I've talked with Breed, I said, and I didn't have to catechize him. He seemed to feel that some sort of explanation was looked for, and he was very outspoken. 
You were right about the children, that is. I must have misunderstood him. There are only two. But the Matterhorn episode was simple enough. He didn't realize how dangerous it was until he had got so far into it that he couldn't back out, and he didn't tell her because he'd left her here, you see, and under the circumstances... Left her here, cried my wife. I've been sitting with her the whole afternoon sewing, and she told me that he left her at Geneva and came back and took her to Basil, and the baby was born there. Now I'm sure, dear, because I asked her. Perhaps I was mistaken when I thought he said that she was on this side of the water, I suggested with bitter, biting irony. (laughs) You poor dear, did I abuse you, said my wife. But do you know, Mrs. Tabb said that she didn't know how many lumps of sugar he took in his coffee. Now that seems queer, doesn't it? It did. It was a small thing, but it looked queer. Very queer. Everything is very queer right now. <laughs> yep. Word of the day. Word of the day. The word of the day Word of Mr. Queer. Cute Buns. Cute Buns likes think- the word queer. I don't think they know each other. I think they're like bank robbers on the run. They're yeah, they're like either some sort of like heist duo or she's like again, he has like a secret life and he's forgotten which wife he's with or like yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea. I mean, the, I like the heist idea. Yeah, I think they're like Bonnie and Clyde in hiding. You think they'd have their story down a little better? Well, okay, not Bonnie and Clyde. They're like shitty Bonnie and Clyde. <laughs> well, it makes me think of like the old couple in Dirty Dancing that like goes to the like upstate yeah. New York resort and like is so cute, and then it turns out they've stolen like hundreds of thousand dollars over the summer. Yeah, yeah, yeah they're inexperienced Bonnie and Clyde. Yeah, not shitty. You, I mean, just... you, y'all got to start somewhere. Yeah, this is heist number one. Number one. The next morning. Oh my God! (laughs) Okay, Hackensack. (laughs) The next morning, it was clear that war was declared against the breeds. That was abrupt. Yeah, that, I mean, well, I guess they have kind of been caught in a lot of lies by everybody. They came down to breakfast somewhat late, and as soon as they arrived, the Biggleses swooped up the last fragments that remained of their plates and made a stately march out of the dining room. Then Miss Hugenkamp arose and departed, leaving a whole fish ball on her plate. Uh, why are you eating fish balls in the morning? Like, ew. Yeah, it's hack and sack balls. Even as Atalanta might have dropped an apple behind her to tempt her pursuer to check his speed, so Miss Hugenkamp left that fishball behind her and between her maiden self and contamination. (laughs) We had finished our breakfast, my wife and I, before the breeds appeared. We talked it over and agreed that we were glad that we had not been obliged to take sides upon such insufficient testimony. 
After breakfast, it was the custom of the male half of the Jacobus household to go around the corner of the building and smoke their pipes and cigars where they would not annoy the ladies. Uh, appreciate it. <laughs> we sat under a trellis covered with a grapevine that had borne no grapes in the memory of man. This vine, however, bore leaves, and these, on that pleasant summer morning, shielded us two persons who were in earnest conversation in the straggling, half-dead flower garden at the side of the house. I don't want, we heard Mr. Jacobus say, to enter in no man's privacy, but I do want to know who it may be like that I have in my house. Now, what I ask of you, and I don't want you to take it as in no ways personal, is have you your marriage license with you? No. Oh, maybe they're not married. Maybe they're like, it's like in scandal. Yeah, that's what, that's what I'm saying. Well, I mean, it could just be. Like they uh, run away together or yeah. something. Yeah. Partners in crime. Yeah. No, we heard the voice of Mr. Breed reply. Have you yours? I think it was a chance shot, but it told all the same. The Major, he was a widower, and Mr. Biggle and I looked at each other. And Mr. Jacobus, on the other side of the grape trellis, looked at, I don't know what, and was as silent as we were. Where is your marriage license, married reader? Do you know? Four men, not including Mr. Breed, stood or sat on one side or the other of that grape trellis, and not one of them knew where his marriage license was. Each of us had had one. The Major had three. <laughs> but where were they? Where is yours? Tucked in your best man's pocket, deposited in his desk, or washed to a pulp in his white waistcoat, if white waistcoats be the fashion of the hour, washed out of existence. Can you tell where it is? Can you, unless you are one of those people who frame that interesting document and hang it upon their drawing room walls? I love that he wrote this story and put in the, like, parentheses, like, the pulp of a white waistcoat. If that is still the fashion when you're reading yeah. this. <laughs> it's not, by the it's way. It's not, but I appreciate that. <laughs> Mr. Breed's voice arose after an awful stillness of what seemed like five minutes and was probably 30 seconds. Mr. Jacobus, will you make out your bill at once and let me pay it? I shall leave by the six o'clock train, and will you also send a wagon for my trunks? I haven't said I wanted to have you leave, began Mr. Jacobus, but Breed cut him short. Bring me your bill. But, remonstrated Jacobus, if you ain't bring me your bill, said Mr. Breed. I mean, to be fair... You are being a dick to your customer. <laughs> yeah, that's sort of a shady-ass thing to ask your customer. Yeah, it's like, um... If he really hasn't done anything wrong, yeah, I'd probably like, be pissed, too. I'd like to leave now, please, you piece of poo. <laughs> My wife and I went out for our morning's walk, but it seemed to us, when we looked at our view, as if we could only see those invisible villages of which Breed had told us. That other side 
of ridges and rises of which we catch no glimpse from lofty hills or from the heights of human self-esteem. We meant to stay out until the breeds had taken their departure, but we returned just in time to see Pete, the general handyman of the Jacobus house, loading the breed trunks into the Jacobus wagon. And as we stepped upon the veranda, down came Mrs. Breed, leaning on Mr. Breed's arm as though she were ill, and it was clear that she had been crying. There were heavy rings about her pretty black eyes. My wife took a step toward her. Look at that dress, dear, she whispered. She never thought anything like this was going to happen when she put that on. It was a pretty, delicate, dainty dress, a graceful, narrow-striped affair. Her hat was trimmed with a narrow-striped silk of the same colors, maroon and white. And in her hand, she held a parasol that matched her dress. She's had a new dress on twice a day, said my wife, but that's the prettiest yet. Oh, somehow, I'm awfully sorry they're going. But going they were. They moved toward the steps. Mrs. Breed looked toward my wife, and my wife moved toward Mrs. Breed. But the ostracized woman, as though she felt the deep humiliation of her position, turned sharply away and opened her parasol to shield her eyes from the sun. A shower of rice, a half-pound shower of rice, fell down over her pretty hat and her pretty dress and fell in a spattering circle on the floor outlining her skirts and there it lay in a broad, uneven band, bright in the morning sun. Wait, like wedding rice? Did they just got married? That's what it sounds like. Okay. Mrs. Breed was in my wife's arms, sobbing as if her young heart would break. Oh, you poor, dear, silly children, my wife cried as Mrs. Breed sobbed on her shoulder. Why didn't you tell us? We, 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 we didn't want to be taken for a b b bridal couple, sobbed Mrs. Breed, and we d didn't dream that awful lies we'd have to tell and all the awful mixed-upness of it. Oh, dear, dear, dear. <laughs> they just didn't want people to know they were newlyweds? Yeah. <laughs> Pete! commanded Mr. Jacobus. Put back them trunks. These folks stays here as long as they wants ter. Mr. Breed, he held out a large, hard hand. I'd ought have known better, he said. And my last doubt of Mr. Breed vanished as he shook that grimy hand in manly fashion. The two women were talking off toward... The two women were walking off toward our view, each with an arm about the other's waist, touched by a sudden sisterhood of sympathy. Gentlemen, said Mr. Breed, addressing Jacobus, Biggle, the Major, and me, there is a hostelry down the street where they sell honest New Jersey beer. I recognize the obligations of the situation. <laughs> honest New Jersey beer. 
All right. <laughs> it tastes like. Yeah, it tastes like Hackensack. <laughs> we five men filed down the street. The two women went toward the pleasant slope where the sunlight gilded the forehead of the great hill. On Mr. Jacobus's veranda lay a spattered circle of shining grains of rice. Two of Mr. Jacobus's pigeons flew down and picked up the shining grains, making grateful noises far down in their throats. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, first of all, that just ended with some (laughs) hackensack. Hackensack pigeons. Also, those pigeons died because absolutely that rice exploded rice in their stomachs. Exploded in their stomach. It's like, and they all lived happily ever after, except for these pigeons that just deep throated some rice and blew up a few hours and then later. Exploded. <laughs> that was like that was a weird twisty turny story that um got really sweet. Right at the end, yeah, and then really fucked up, and then right re- at the right at the end, really, really dark because, like, well, I mean, at this time, people didn't realize that rice like blew yeah. up stomachs, yeah. Um, but yeah, those fuck. pigeons, well, okay, in fairness, this story came out like 150 years ago, so those pigeons are definitely dead anyway, but yes, those pigeons those were dead like dead. five hours later, yeah, they, yeah, they, they were like, oh, yummy, yum, 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 and then they're like, Ugh. yep. <laughs> I, I do love that the the end of the story ended with a uh, the noise with, of Hackensack. Yes. With, with thankful noises in the throat? Thankful noises far down their throats. <laughs> yes. Um, well, that was fun. I did not know where that was going, and it was not at all what I thought it was going to be. They actually were just nice people. Yeah. There was no, like, dark, dark turn. They were just nice people that were just trying to, uh, like, I mean, they didn't want to appear like newlyweds because they wanted to seem like they were more worldly and interesting. And Yeah, but, like, dumb move. Not for nothing, but, like, if you're newlyweds, people just give you shit for free. Exactly. Like, the guy the, the guy who hosts the house is like, no, they're staying as long as they want. Yeah. Like, they're newlyweds. Like, yeah, exactly. Like, I don't think that's changed. I think I, I usually think newlyweds get like the maybe they yeah. didn't want the fuss. Maybe they wanted to just like be like one of the like the group. Yeah, but like shit. I mean, when we when we got engaged, we got like special treatment for a few days. Go went a couple places and got like, oh, yeah. congratulations. Have a round of drinks on us. Like, yeah, but <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I guess I don't know what the traditions were back then of like engagements and like newlyweds and what well i guess i guess part of the situation calls for uh the newly married man buying all of the men a beer and i wonder if they actually do have two kids she's just from a previous marriage so there's like some scandal oh my guess is they don't have i'm guessing they don't have any kids at all but yeah like yeah because that would have probably been brought up but yeah no they just they, they got married, and they're like, we don't want anyone to know we're newlyweds, so we're just going to make up some shit. Yeah. What a weird game. <laughs> what a strange game. Well, I think what they did learn is they are not the next Bonnie and Clyde. <laughs> no, they are bad at it. No, yeah. they need to just be a cute little couple, and, and she can wear her pretty dresses, and they can, like, pack and sack and look at the views. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> 
and make it rain rice. Make it rain rice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The closest thing they are to Bonnie and Clyde is the pigeon killing spree is they went pigeon on. Pigeon murdering. Yes, they are they are the uh the infamous pigeon murderers of New York. Yeah. With good, honest New Jersey beer. So, hey, listener, what did you think of that one? Did you have a good time? Did you guess the ending before we did? I'm going to guess no, but if you did, I want to know. I don't know. My mom's usually irritatingly good at that kind of thing. Yeah, but that took a turn to, like, the nicest thing it possibly could. Um, Anyway, write in and let us know if you figured this story out before we did or if you were going to like the dark place because so many know. of our stories do <laughs> where, where did you go um right in let us know what you thought about that one if you um what's his actual name henry 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 Kuehler bunner yeah henry Kuehler bunner um let us know what you think of of uh hank bunner hank, and hank uh, bunner <laughs> Yeah, and when you uh, when you write in to 5050artsproduction at gmail.com or any of our social media, just look for Campfire Classics Podcast or, you know, call or text or stop us on the street. Um, the, you know, let us know what you thought and uh, use this week's secret passcode, which is the newlywed game. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I, I was convinced it was going to be Hackensack, but that might be the title. I, I think that might be the title. Yeah. <laughs> With I, I think the title of the episode, I think the title of the episode might be Hackensack. Subtitle. Yeah, like choke, choke. <laughs> yep. Uh, yeah. Um, that was fun. I, I got like nothing else. You got cute. anything else? No, I'm good. That was that was delightful. I don't All feel right. I don't feel like I'm upset. I don't feel mad. I don't feel like depressed. I, I it was just a it was a story about some nice people. It was effectively this is like the I think the closest thing to a rom com that we have read. Yes, I I can see like um I I can cast this movie. <laughs> Yeah. Like, we got, like, Vince Vaughn is, like, the narrator. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, like, Jennifer Aniston's his wife. And the newlyweds are, like, uh, like I don't know. I don't know young actors. These uh, It's, uh, what's her, fu- uh, Millie, Millie Brown um, and, like. And Tom Holland. And Tom Holland, yeah. Like, Millie Bobby Brown and Tom Holland. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You got, like, an old curmudgeoned. Uh, guy um, playing the major. Um, yeah, it'd, it'd be fun. Yeah. Just Kelsey Grammer. Kelsey Grammer's the major. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I have heard not promising things about that reboot of Frasier. No, I've heard nothing good about it. So Yeah. But, you know, when when you had Niles and then you lost him, you can't do the show without Niles no, and without Papa. Work. Yeah. Yeah. No. Anyway, um, that's all I got. Anything uh, Anything else from you? No, I feel good. All right, cool. Well, then uh, we are signing off, campers, and until next week, this has been Campfire Classics, where we try to read those books that look really good on your shelf. Da, 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 da. Welcome to the newlywed game. Climbed a mountain today? I yes. really thought that was about to become Hava Nagila. <laughs> da, da, <laughs>